It's time once again for us to sit down in front of the non-fungible campfire and have ourselves a bit of a brain trust. For some reason, I'm your host, Matt Ryan. And as always, I am joined by two of the brightest minds in the crypto galaxy. They are Kalichi Ebay and Nathan Simone. And gentlemen, we're going to be focusing on something in the news that is very, very big. And we talked about it on BitMart Bytes. So if you listened or watched BitMart Bytes, you know, ruin the ending of this. But the Ethereum <laughs> merge is nearly upon us, gentlemen. And for the millions out there who are so readily invested in it, we don't have to go into it. But for those who are crypto curious or are those who do not idolatize the idea of Ethereum. What in the sweet bippy is the Ethereum merge? We're going to answer those questions and more over the next few weeks. But let's start with that question, Nathan. What in the sweet bippy is the Ethereum merge? Bippy, yeah. What, what, what the bippy is it? Well, first, Matt, I want to say that I'm so glad that Kalichi is here because we kind of all play our roles here. I mean, not only is he easy on the eyes, he's just a great guy. So it's nice that you're kind of here playing like the crypto newbie. I'm a little bit more intermediate because I'll be honest, I'm not a huge Ethereum guy. I, I'm more of a Bitcoin guy. I like Monero. I like different projects. I, I recognize that Ethereum is great, but I've just never been super into it. Whereas Kalichi is a true NFT degen. Um, he's, he loves those tokens. So this is going to be a great kind of holistic understanding. I also want to start out with um, mentioning that we're talking about the merge and not the purge, okay? The purge <laughs> is a eh, okay movie, or it's also when I go to clean out my freezer and I see a frozen burrito in the back and I think, oh, this is only two months expired. I could probably eat this. And then I <laughs> eat it and my rest of my day is ruined. So we're not talking about the purge. We are talking about the merge and the merge at the most basic level, which is what this episode is going to be about, is that Ethereum is moving from a proof of work consensus mechanism to a proof of stake consensus mechanism. Now, if you're already confused, you can stop it. You can pause the episode right now. Look up what is proof of work and what is proof of stake. I'll give another analogy here real quick. Bitcoin has been proof of work since its existence. It probably will never not be proof of work. Um, Ethereum has been trying to transition to proof of stake for, let's just say five years and some change, a long, long, long time, which is why this is such a historic event because this has happened year after year after year. Vitalik Buterin will say, Ethereum is gonna go to proof of stake. We're gonna be more sustainable. And then what do you know? It doesn't happen. I'm not throwing shade on him for that. It is a massive, massive undertaking, especially for the second biggest crypto project in right. the world, in the world. So that is at a basic level what is happening. When you hear the merge, you just think Ethereum, think about it like merging on a highway. Ethereum has been traveling on the proof of work highway for since its existence. And now it's trying to merge, trying to merge safely onto that proof of stake highway. So that is a basic level overview of what we're going to be talking about. And for a little bit more context, I'm going to pass it to Kalichi here because maybe he will do a better job than me of explaining what's maybe the difference between proof of work and proof of stake. I mean, you, you've pretty much like answered uh, the or described what the merge is. There's no 
I guess, uh, I guess there are several ways to explain, but it's just exactly what you said, you know, going from um, a more, I guess, um, energy uh, reliant uh, way of, you know, you know, creating like new ETH to, you know, a more energy efficient way of creating uh, ETH. So, you know, proof of work obviously requires a lot of, you know, you know, you know, you know, technology, a lot of hardware, you know, electricity. Um, and now with these movements to proof of stake, um, it, it becomes like over like 99% um, more uh, energy efficient. Um, you know, while I guess building that foundation of what could take ETH to that, you know, mainstream level, you know, for, you know, first faster transactions, cheaper transactions, which will not happen immediately, but it will create that infrastructure uh, for those things to be possible, right? So, yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, that's pretty much it, you know, proof of work to proof of stake. And, and by that, that actually reduces the, the barrier of entry um, for people to secure the network because now it's not just going to be um, uh, limited to people with the um, technical know-how to create all this hardware and, you know, mine new um, blocks. It will be just, you know, you just stake your ETH, right? You just stake it and now you're part of the, 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 um, the security or to protect the network and you get actually, actually get rewarded for it. Uh, like a like an APY, you know, for for protecting the network. So that's pretty much what it is. That is true, Kalichi, and I'm glad that Matt's here because I think Matt will be really, really great at kind of giving those beginner questions about saying like, well, why is this important? Why is that important? I wanted to push back on something you said really quick. You said that Ethereum going to proof of stake is going to lower the barrier of entry, but and correct me if I'm wrong here. In order to stake on the new Ethereum proof of stake consensus mechanism, I think you need 32 ETH. Is that correct? No, you don't. No, you don't? Am I wrong about that? I no. could have sworn. No, you don't. Um, so there, I guess there are these um, bodies that, you know, where you can basically, you don't necessarily have to stake the, the full um, th 32 ETH. Like through those, um, through those, uh, like example, Lido Finance uh, will be one of them. You can actually stake a portion of the ETH that you that you have, um, and still be a part of the the the, the network um, in that way. So you don't necessarily need to have all thirty two ETH. Ah, so like a staking pool—that's what you're getting at. You could just be part of a pool. Right. 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 Okay. So I just learned something right there. That was going to be one of my main criticisms. Is I thought I cannot remember where I read that. Obviously, it was erroneous. Um, that in order to stake at all, you needed 32 ETH because I was going to go with, well, gosh, the price of ETH is $1,800 right now. I'm not sure what $1,800 times 32 is, but it's lots. It's, it's more than I have at the moment. So that right. is already that is already a good thing to know. Okay, You can still yeah. be a part of Ethereum and you can stake. You can just be part of a pool, kind of similar to how Cardano has staking pools and how a lot of proof of stake chains have staking pools. So yes. it's, it's still going to be available for the common man who only has 0.01 ETH or 0.1 or something like that, they can still get in on a pool, they can still stake, they can still earn rewards. 
Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, that's it. Even like, yeah, so it doesn't necessarily, like even before the the ETH uh, merge and, you know, in the future, when once it moves to proof of stake, you could still stake your ETH without having 32 ETH. You know, there's like ways around it. There's like these pools that you can, you know, join and, you know, basically you just, you know, you just take part without actually needing to um, um, own 32 ETH um, to, in order to do so. Um, so with this new uh, proof of stake, you know, anybody should be able to participate. Um, and that's kind of one of the, I guess, you know, one of the big part of the whole thing is now, you know, it, it reduces the barrier of entry. Yeah. Okay. When you put it like that, it most definitely reduces the barrier of entry because the, one of the biggest problems with proof of work consensus mechanisms is that they require mining. And mining, once again, if you're getting lost right now, look up cryptocurrency mining and what miners do, you have to have very complex, very specific hardware that takes a lot of physical energy, in this case, electricity, to essentially solve complex mathematical equations in order to create and add these blocks to the blockchain. That is what Ethereum currently does. That's what Bitcoin currently does. But once it transitions to proof of stake, then you just have to have that little bit of ETH find your staking pool, find your provider, and you're in like Flint. So it does <laughs> definitely reduce the barrier to entry. Matt, I'm looking at your face now and you're just like, what is going on? Hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just going through just the pro thinking through the processes of all of this. And for me, I, I respect anybody who is able to deal with the minutiae of the complex mathematical algorithms and all the different processes that go into both proof of work and proof of stake. The level of uck around and find out to get to the point to where that people can go, oh, we can do this and to make money, literally create currency is baffling to me because you, when you walk into working in non-fungible finance, when you work in modern, you know, decentralized currency, these structures are mostly already in place. And if you're a neophyte, it's kind of like working in a bank. Like you don't think about the process because you're just working in a day-to-day. -day. When you take that step outside and when you think about all the work that goes into the mathematical value to find the equations and solve these equations and create things like that it's it feels damn near impossible because like modern you know fiat currency is predicated on a standard of something that's a tangible asset gold silver hats what have you this in terms of the blockchain is something that doesn't exist in the physical world. Obviously, it's non-fungible. It's it exists in within code. For me, trying to deal with that as as a person who just spends money and lives their life is moderately scary. It's a little less scary because Bitcoin has a very specific market. It has a market cap. It has a value cap. You there's X amount of coins in existence. The market is this, the market is such. It's more like a traditional finance asset. When you're talking about Ethereum completely changing its standard, changing the mathematical you know, components that make that coin that coin, 
I can understand why people would be frustrated because of miners. We talk about that on Bitmark Bytes. We talk about, and you, you can, when you're a zealot for something, because I think we can all agree, you know, you're, you're on Cardano, Kalichi, you're a Cardano, you're a Cardano file. You're, uh, yeah, you, yeah. You, you apologize uh, your platform, the, the platform that you're a fan of. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that people become fans of crypto. They don't just become holders. And that concept to me is still weird because like I can't think of someone going out and wearing merch that says Euro on it or walking around shouting how much they love the drachma. So when you walk into this, and I think it's more a part of consumer culture, uh, the, the pop culture zeitgeist we're in now where things with value things that are that exist that have tangible faces to it that have tangible value in the real world they're not just institutions those are the things that get lauded and people want to be on the ground floor of something if we introduce the US dollar in 2022 i think we might be in that same situation but i don't know what you guys think about that like how much of that idolatry comes into play with people who are on either side of the Ethereum fork? Uh, I, I would say uh, a comparison, you know, would be, you know, because at, at the end of the day, like these things are like, like the technology, right? You know, Ethereum is a technology, uh, Cardano, Bitcoin is technology. Is technology. So it, a more com- um, uh, suitable comparison would be like, you know, iOS and Android. You know, you have people who are fans of uh, iOS, you have, who are fans of Android, um, but you know, actually, like wearing T-shirts about it, it's you know that's taking things to another level. Like I'm not that uh, of a fanatic uh, to to do something like that, but it's just um, just the technology is interesting to people, and obviously, what makes you know blockchain you know more um, appealing to the masses is not only are you like ad- uh, adopting new technology but it also comes with a financial incentive as well you know in terms of the the uh, assets the 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 currency in this case cryptocurrency like you know the ethereum technology has the eat you know token you know cardano has an ada token which you can invest in or be incentivized to build and learn about a technology and receive those things as rewards you know for you know, imagine if, you know, at the early stages of, of Android, you know, like, you know, by learning how to use it or by u- using it, you're actually earning some like, you know, shares of Google or something like that. That's what makes it so exciting for everybody. And depending on what camp you are, uh, you you like one over the other. But me personally, although I'm a huge fan of Cardano, I still think Ethereum is a great technology. Obviously, it has its flaws. So does Cardano. And all everything, Bitcoin, Bitcoin doesn't have any smart contract, right? But it's, you know, it's solid in what it is, you know, a store of value, right? So there are pros and cons in all of them. And I, 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 I tend to learn from all of them. I own NFTs in Ethereum, I own NFTs in Cardano, I own NFTs in Solana. So I'm not a maxi like that. But uh, yeah, so yeah, people are passionate about, obviously this Ethereum merge, for example, there's a lot of people, you know, like eats like fanatics that you know think this is like the the biggest you know obviously it is don't get me wrong it is one of the biggest you know um upgrade in the uh, entire uh, ethereum journey but um it also has some some i guess some cons to it 
you know, there's some pros, but also there's some things to, you know, to actually get worried about. So I think we're going to talk a little bit about that in, as we go along. Yeah, we're going to try and go deep um, in future episodes about some of these pros, cons, misconceptions, things like that. Matt, I'm laughing because I remember on an episode, I think of it was Bites, where you, you also made the same comparison. You said, you know, people would think it was strange if I said, oh, yeah, I'm a big dollar guy. <laughs> and you were like, and you're wearing a T-shirt. And I totally understand what you, what you mean about this from an outsider perspective. And even though I'm not a sports guy, I actually think I have an amazing sports analogy that goes. Of course you this. do. You always have. Let me try for everything. <laughs> Let me try. Let me try. Okay. So with the little that I know about sports, I know that professional sports gets bigger and badder every single year. The contracts, the stadiums, all this sort of stuff like that. But the sport, let's just pick football, for example. Football has been around since they invented football in whenever they invented football, wasn't it? Like late like 19th late century. There you go. Late 19th century. So the sport was always there. It's guys, they're tossing a football, they're getting the crap smacked out of them. There's a field, there's, there's, there's a human element to it. But, peop, and people believe in it. They like it. They like the game of football. They like all the things around it. But every year there becomes a financial incentive to play football a certain way, do it in a certain stadium, do it at certain times of the day, sign certain people, things like that. And I think that that is kind of a, a more analogous, um, an, uh, like a uh, a less hardware hardware specific analogy, where Bitcoin and Ethereum they've been groundbreaking technologies since they were invented, and the fact that there is a financial incentive attached to them now and it grows along with the network effect is just cultural. It's part of what humans do. You could make an argument, and I'm I'm gonna people are gonna rail me here for this. You could make an argument that no cryptocurrency, no crypto project is worth anything, right? Intrinsically, that argument has been made by lots of people, but that's not so in the wider world because we've given them value and because right. we've created monetary systems and because we've, we've done all that sort of stuff like that. So in the same way that I could hand wave away and say, you know, I don't like it that a certain basketball star is paid $9 million a year. He doesn't do anything. He just throws a ball through the hoop. Okay, that's my opinion. But enough people have spoken and say, no, it's valuable to them. They want it. They want the underlying emotion, impact, whatever, that it has value. And that is just the way of the world. So you, as to because this kind of taps into a very hyper-specific thing that I, I studied uh, for those who don't know. Uh, I am a media studies major. I am a, technically a soci a low-rent sociologist because I have an a, a, a a bachelor's degree from NYU in media studies. So the focus of my work was on sports and pro wrestling, primarily sports as an adjunct for religion. And that was a big part of my senior thesis. And it's built on the idea of being something bigger than yourself, about being a part of the community, be a part of something that you can pass down or was passed down to you. And there is a level of emotional investment. Mm -hmm. and you're believing in something and you go to these cathedrals, whether they're stadiums or actual churches, there's these different touch points. And I'm seeing a lot of that in the crypto marketplace. The, the week this episode of bit, you know, Brain Trust Drops, I'll be giving a talk about sports and NFTs. Oh, yeah. And this the central thesis to my belief in it is that there is a connection between sports and NFTs because sports fans 
connect to their sport, connect to their team, connect to their thing in the same way an idolater does to a religion because you follow specific tenets, you have your own traditions, you have your own, like uh, season tickets are basically a tithe. And I think that, <laughs> that's yeah, a, yeah, a good that's, analogy. A, that's a good analogy. Keep going, keep going. And I think that we're seeing that a lot in the the crypto and NFT space because a lot of it is in the belief that this thing, this currency, this asset will be the thing that makes you rich, that makes that pays off for what the hard work you put in or all these things. You you have to irrationally believe in that thing because so much of your life and so much of your potential happiness lies in the fact that you're investing in this thing. And I think that there's a double-edged sword with that because when you – like, let's talk about board Apes for a second. Board Apes have developed into this thing to where they're a larger-than-life cult of personality. People identify – with themselves, people are building intellectual properties around them. People are treating them as assets, but there's also, you know, a community around it. And that community is hyper loyal, hyper vocal, and hyper, hyper, hyper gatekeeping. And I think that, and there, and there's a level of elitism within everything. But I think when you're a part of that, you believe that access, that power, that value makes you bigger or better than someone else. And I think that with crypto as a community, that needs to be watched out for more because you're trying to create this ideal scenario to where currency exists in this nebulous world and it's predicated on code. It's not predicated on an actual asset and actual value. That there's a, like X amount of like X amount of silver in the world, so the dollar is pegged. Things like that. When you start idolizing or sanctifying currency, like what happened with Terra and Luna, like that was a complete economic collapse, and it worries me. And and I'm sorry for going off on a tangent when we should be talking about the merge, but I think a lot of the people that are going to get caught up in the merge. Are going to or are getting upset about the merge are those idolicizers or those people who have staked so much of their financial and personal identity in this one thing that as soon as there is any change, the reaction is swift. We saw with in Bitmart Bytes, you talked about it too on the DCW that asset, the the Ethereum W, ETH W, I believe, or ETH H, whatever yep. it was, yep, just completely plummeted in value. And that's people trying to break off. It's like their version of the Protestant Reformation. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's not a bad analogy. Keep going. Yeah, you brought it, you brought it back together. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's. So uh, how yeah. do you how do you guys, as people who are not crypto, you know, novices like myself, and people who obsess over every angle of things like that, and you know, needed help putting his smart wallet together. Thank you, Kalichi, and thank you, Nathan. Um, how do you reconcile with that within your own community, and how do you police yourselves from going too all in on a specific currency? And if you were one of these Ethereum hardliners, 
how would you react to the merge? <clears throat> that is that is a great question, Matt. I'm going to yeah. let Kalichi go first because I'm going to have to kind of think about my response here. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not like I'm not too like invested in the in the Ethereum community. I do own some ETH. Um, I do own um, NFTs in, um, in the Ethereum ecosystem. Actually, I bought some the other day uh, uh, for a project called uh, PondBots. But um, I try not to, again, this is just my personal opinion. You know, this doesn't apply to everybody. I try to always stay in the middle. Like I don't, <laughs> because at the end of the day, this is a, a very, very nascent technology. And like the winners are not, there's no winners and losers. Like with everybody was still trying to figure this stuff out. So if I am in the Ethereum community and I'm so big into ETH, like, I'm going to be open-minded to the, 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 the pros and the cons. Like mm -hmm. if I'm really, if I'm really um, uh, like a, like an army or, or a steward for uh, this particular like chain, I want to know, I want to see both sides. I don't want it to just be just one side. Oh, everything is just, you know, sunshine and rainbows. No, if the ETH merge will introduce some, some, um, some difficulties, uh, which we're going to talk more maybe in in, in the next episode, uh, the issue of the the centralization part of it, um, that is concerning, right? Mm -hmm. I do love the fact if I, uh, even as someone who's not too big into uh, um, too invested in, in Ethereum, I again, for everybody listening, I do own some ETH, <laughs> but I would say that there's obviously a, a huge upside for ethereum going to proof of stake you know the energy um reduction which is good for the environment we all know that you know how that will attract institutional inv investors who previously would not touch ethereum because of the um the whole um you know environmental you know issues uh and like yeah there's a lot of upside but there's also a lot of downside so i think it's if you really care about the, the community, you should look at both sides of the equation and say, okay, this, this stuff is good, but hey, yes, um, there's some risk, uh, let's address it. Instead of just like having a tunnel vision about it, address it, you know, discuss it. And obviously without being a jerk or anything, have a, like an educated uh, and a civil like debate about it. That's how, that's how I'll approach it. Yeah, you're not going to get very far by being a jerk and just standing off to one side. You will find a group of people who agree with you and form what is called an echo chamber. But when <laughs> you get tired of hearing the sound of your own voice, uh, you can take the Plato's cave analogy and go out into the wider world where things are very, very, very gray. Black and white works amazing with um, old school movies. It's just something about that photography works well. It tends not to work very well in almost every other area of life because humans are fallible, we make mistakes, people get emotions involved, things like that. Matt, I think what I wanna sum this up with is if Ethereum was not the second largest crypto project right now, nobody would be talking about this. It would, they would transition a proof of stake, nobody would care. This is, Ethereum is not the first proof of stake uh, crypto project. In fact, there's uh, at least dozens, if not hundreds, that have done proof of stake before this. Proof of stake is not even a new concept. It's just simply contentious because after Bitcoin, this is where all the money, all the hype, all the culture 
related to crypto is going. So it would be like, you know, I'm not going to try and make another sports analogy here, but I do know that the Yankees are one of the most popular baseball teams. Okay. If not the most popular. So imagine if the Yankees just said, we're changing the rules of baseball and we're no longer playing in a baseball field. We're playing in a football field. You could imagine that that would be controversial even if they had solid arguments as to why playing in a football field would be better for baseball. That's kind of a primitive way to look at it in that, you know, briefly before we end the episode, we should go over the list of maybe the pros and cons, but there's no way we can get deep into that stuff. That's why I wanted to do episodes. Well, my suggestion is next week on the show, we go through all the pros and then in two weeks, we'll go through all the cons and then after that, we will go through what the actual process will look like, or we'll have some effort, you know, some frequently asked questions. We'll call we'll call some questions from you guys on Discord. If you aren't already on the Bitmark Discord, please do so. Shout out to Father Elijah or follow us across social networks at Bitmart Exchange on the Twitter machine. We'll drop uh this episode and we'll we'll take your questions. So we'll wanna answer those for you, or if you want to answer any of our questions. Uh, that will be in, and also in the comments of the YouTube video, please let us know your thoughts. Let us know what you're thinking. We want to get your questions answered about the Ethereum merge. Things oh. are happening. Two proofs enter. One proof leaves. Two <laughs> proofs enter. One proof. Sorry. Sorry. I got I'm scared. I'm scared. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> Can I please leave the call? <laughs> But on, oh, on that note, you can follow Nathan on Twitter at CryptoNathan76. And Kalichi, where can we find you on Twitter machines? Yeah, Twitter, uh, eBayKC824, uh, E-B-A-Y-K-C-824. And if Hi-yo. you're a person who needs it, to, you need the clickable ones, we've got them in the show notes for you. So if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at Matt Ryan Yells. You can click in the show notes below unless you're on Apple because for some reason, Apple hates click-through <laughs> links. But for Kalichi eBay, for Nathan Simone, I'm Matt Ryan. And for some reason, this has been another edition of the Bitmart Brain Trust. We'll be back as we continue Two Proof Center, One Proof Leaves. Two Proof Center, One Proof Leaves. See you next time on the Bitmart Brain Trust. See ya. See ya. And we're clear, gentlemen. Hello to everybody out there in crypto land. Did you enjoy that conversation? I know that I did. It's always interesting to learn more about crypto projects, NFTs, and what is going on in this very unique industry. But now we've got to get some legal stuff out of the way, all right? It's just the way that it is. So I wanted to let you know that all opinions and actions expressed and undertaken by the hosts and guests are individual opinions and actions and do not reflect the views and actions of Bitmark. 
Bitmart does not guarantee the accuracy, applicability, reliability, integrity, performance, completeness, or appropriateness of this content. The value of digital currencies can go up or down, and there can be a substantial risk in buying, selling, holding, or investing in digital currencies. You should carefully consider whether trading or holding digital currencies is suitable for you based on your personal investment objectives, financial circumstances, and risk tolerance. Bitmart does not provide investment, tax, or legal advice. Use of BitMart services is entirely at your own risk.